And we are continuing our series entitled Me Culture. The video uh, we just watched captures the values of our culture really well. It's um, all about catering to the individual, catering to me. And while our me culture has become more and more about us, virtues, uh, those things that develop character, that are foundational for doing what is right, they have quietly uh, faded away. Virtues like wisdom and justice and courage were once held in high regard, and now we rarely even give them lip service. And it's easy for us to condemn our culture uh, for abandoning virtues, but it's not just our culture that has, the church has as well. We want faith in Jesus uh, to be something that fits into our lifestyles. Um, this is not a new phenomenon. It's been happening for years, but God isn't really interested about fitting into our plans. Uh, God calls us to fit into his plans. Um, and in regards to following Jesus and virtues, uh, it's important to remember that Christ-like character does not make us followers of Jesus. Christ-like character does not make us followers of Jesus. But Christ-like character certainly should be a result of following Jesus. Um, me culture is the opposite of faith culture. Uh, me culture and Jesus' values are um, opposites. Uh, one values the love of self. The other one values loving God and loving our neighbor. And um, for thousands of years, the church has held up certain what they call cardinal virtues, virtues like faith, hope, love, uh, wisdom or prudence, uh, justice, courage, temperance. In uh, the first week of this series, just introduced the whole idea of virtues and the childlike nature of them, and talked about virtues, faith, hope, and love. Um, in week two, Pastor John talked about uh, wisdom or prudence and how that is personified in Jesus, the selfless, poured out life is the wise life. And then last week, Pastor John talked about justice, um, to live our lives so that justice is the result. And this morning, we're going to focus on the virtue of courage. Uh, if you have your Bibles, um, you can go ahead and open those to Acts chapter 4. Uh, we're going to begin in verse 13. And before we get there, I just want to set up this passage with what happens right before it. What are the things that lead up to what we're about to read about? Um, and what happens before this passage is that in Acts chapter 3, uh, Peter and John are in Jerusalem. They're on their way to the temple, and they encounter this um, lame beggar. And they heal this lame beggar, and the beggar can now walk again. And this, of course, draws a crowd of onlookers. And then because of the crowd, Pete... Peter starts preaching about Jesus to the crowd. And so you have this crowd, and now you got Peter preaching. Well, that eventually gets the attention of the temple guards. And so they come and they arrest Peter and John uh, for the commotion that they are causing. And the next day, Peter and John are in front of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish ruling council. Uh, the high priest is there. Family members of the high priest are there. Basically, it's a bunch of muckety-mucks. It's all the muckety-mucks. It's the who's who of the Jewish religious leadership is a part of the Sanhedrin. And they want Peter and John to stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And that's where we're going to pick up our uh, the story in Acts chapter 4. Uh, we've asked Kathy Bolton to read the scripture. So Kathy, if you can make your way on up to the podium. As she does, if you are able, please stand and face the center of the room. And um, 
We read from the center of the room to remind us that Scripture is to be central in our lives, both as individuals and as a community of faith. And so, Kathy, whenever you're ready, please read from Acts chapter 4, verses 13 to 20. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Jesus and John replied, which is right in God's eyes? to listen to you or to him. You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Kathy, thank you very much. You may be seated. I don't know how many of you are familiar with uh, Biola University in Southern California, but I'm a Biola University alum. And when I was in college, um, I played intramural basketball. Um, our team name was Gluttons for Punishment. We were the gluttons for punishment. Uh, we named ourselves that because we didn't really have any height on the team. We were all like 5'10", 5'11", maybe six feet at best. Um, but most of the other teams in the league, they had at least one guy who was 6'4", or taller. And so we knew we were going to lose our share of games. Uh, we didn't lose all of our games, but we did lose more than we won. Um, there was this one game in particular where we actually, we started the game and we only had six guys there. Only six guys could make this one game. And then at halftime, one of those guys had to leave. So we had to play the entire second half with only five of us. Um, and then with like a minute left in the game, one of the five of us fouled out of the game and we only had to play, we only had four uh, to play with. And um, at that point, once we uh, got down to four, you know, other guys uh, who were getting ready for their game or who were watching other games, they all started watching our game because it's fun to watch five-on-four basketball. Uh, so we were down to four players. Uh, we, there was like one minute left in the game, and we were losing by like five points, something like that. And, um, and so the game goes on, and we have the ball, and somehow a teammate of mine, um, he scored a bucket even though he was double teamed at the time, and now we're down by three. And then, I don't know exactly how this happened, but somehow we stole the ball. Again, we only had four guys, and one of the guys on my team stole the ball. And I was standing at the three-point line, and the guy passed the ball to me at the three-point line, and the guy guarding me for some reason was late to close in, so I got the three-point shot off, and it miraculously, it went in, and we tied the game. It was unbelievable. It was so much fun. Everyone's watching was just going crazy. It was unbelievable. We erased a five-point deficit in less than a minute, and we only had four guys. Um, so then the other team brings the ball down the court. Again, there's like 10 seconds left in the game, and they throw up a three with no time left on the clock. And it goes in. And it goes in. So we lose again. We were the gluttons for punishment. That was our team name. But we didn't care because we just had lots of great moments like that. And in order to play, we knew we were going to have to be willing uh, to take some Pain. We had to face our pain. Um, now, courage, there's a couple different definitions for courage, and so I just kind of combined them all together. And um, the definition of courage I just want to share with you is it's the willingness to confront pain, danger, uncertainty, difficulty, or intimidation. You could say, well, if you're going to be courageous, you have to be a glutton for punishment, okay? Uh, courage, it requires patience, and it requires perseverance. 
And yet the me culture just tells us the opposite. Me culture says, take the easy path, take the easy path, just take the easy path. But I love this quote that I saw in a doctor's office that says, following the path of least resistance is what makes rivers and men crooked. Uh, the path of least resistance, it will eventually lead us to dishonesty. And the lack of courage is the path to corruption. Um, courage, me culture says, take the easy path, but courage is common in the Bible. It's common in the Bible. If you go back to the passage that Kathy just read and you look at verse 13 there, where it says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. Peter and John, they're before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling body, uh, the Sanhedrin. These guys, they were educated. They were wealthy. They were the upper class. And Peter and John, they were just ordinary men. And the Sanhedrin saw their courage and they were astonished. But followers of God showing courage, well, that's common in the Bible. The Bible is full of examples of people whose faith in God led them to do astonishingly courageous things. Uh, Moses confronting Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world at the time, demanding, let my people go, simply because God told him to. And it ended up being that Pharaoh let the people go. David taking on Goliath. Goliath, a behemoth of a warrior. David, no real military experience, but believed that God would not be mocked and that God would give him victory over the enemy's champion. And Goliath fell. Um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were living in captivity in Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar, the most powerful man in the world at that time, builds this giant golden statue, demands that everyone bows down to it. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they won't bow down because they believe that only the Lord should be worshiped. And so King Nebuchadnezzar threatens to throw them into a fiery furnace. And rather than compromise their faith, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego choose the fiery furnace. And God protects them in the furnace and they walk out of it. God tells Joshua repeatedly, as they are getting ready to enter the promised land. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous. Jesus is constantly telling people, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. When we think of God and Jesus in the Bible, we think about such traits as love and grace and mercy. And that's all true. You can find love and grace and mercy in the Bible. It's all over the place. But look, the willingness to confront pain and danger and uncertainty and difficulty and intimidation, courage. It's all over the Bible. The Bible is a book of courage. Jesus was all about courage. God is a God of courage. Courage, it's common in the Bible. The me culture tells us take the easy path, but Jesus' call requires courage. If you go back to the passage and just look at verses 14 to 18 that uh, Kathy read where it says, but since they could not see, since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin and then conferred together. 
What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. And then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. So just pretend that you are Peter and John and you're standing before the Sanhedrin. Again, this Jewish ruling body, the educated, wealthy, upper class, and Peter and John are just ordinary men. And you have just been ordered to stop speaking in the name of Jesus, and yet you've been called by Jesus to go and be his witnesses in the whole world. What do you do? Well, if you are Peter and John, and you're going to follow the call of Jesus, you are going to need courage. This is a moment when you'd have to be willing to confront the pain, the danger, the uncertainty, the difficulty, the intimidation there are certain things we cannot do without developing virtues. Virtues fosters us to grow in our potential. And to follow the call of Jesus, it requires courage. Not just courage in the face of external opposition, like Pharaoh or Goliath or Nebuchadnezzar or the Sanhedrin, but courage in the face of internal opposition, our internal pain and fear and uncertainty. That will have to be confronted. Jesus said, repent, for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repenting literally means to turn around. And in this case, it means it's time to live differently, folks. It's time to change. And change is painful. Repenting takes courage. Do we have the courage to face the pain it's going to take to make the changes God is calling us to make. Jesus said, if you want to save your life, you have to give it up. You have to lose it. There are things in our lives that we cherish, but they're not good. And we must give those parts of our lives up. And it's going to be painful. Do we have the courage to give up those parts of our lives. Jesus said, take up your cross and follow me. And that is the path of suffering. If we are going to follow Jesus, we're going to suffer. Are we brave enough to do that? Every time we take a step of faith, that we decide to do something because of our faith in Jesus, and we actually do it, every step requires courage. Forgiveness requires courage. When we take the risk and not hold something against somebody that we have every right to hold against them. But forgiveness means we won't. That's risky. Not sure how that's going to turn out for you. It's going to be painful. Forgiveness requires courage. Are we brave enough to forgive Look, our call is probably not going to take us in front of the Sanhedrin, okay? Uh, but Jesus calls us to repent, to give up our lives, to take up our cross, to take steps of faith, to forgive. And quite frankly, while the path of Jesus is simple, the path of Jesus is not always easy. The call of Jesus is really not for the faint of heart. If you want to cruise 
and do life the easy way, like the me culture tells us, then the path of Jesus is not for you. Look, I don't know what it looks like for you, but you're facing a moment. I don't know what a moment looks like, but you are facing a moment when you have to be willing to confront either pain or danger or uncertainty or difficulty or intimidation in order to do what God and Jesus is calling you to do in this particular moment. Maybe today, maybe sometime this week. Jesus' call requires courage. Me culture says take the easy path, but Jesus cultivates. He cultivates courage in his followers. If you go back one more time to Acts chapter 4 and you look at verses 19 and 20 where it says, then they, um, oh, but Peter and John replied, which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. They're before the hands of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish ruling body, the educated, wealthy, upper class, and Peter and John are ordinary men. And they basically say, we're going to do what we're going to do. And you decide if it's right for us to listen to God or to you. Um, that's chutzpah, folks. Okay? Now, where did they get that kind of courage? Where did that come from? They got it from Jesus. Jesus spent three years with his disciples. And in that time, Jesus put his disciples in situations in which he was building courage in them. He prepared them with the courage they would need to fulfill his call. Think about it. Think about all the stories where if you were there, think about how crazy some of these things that we read about are. Uh, there was a time when Jesus and his disciples were in a boat and they were on the Sea of Galilee and the storm came up upon them out of nowhere. Now, I don't know if you've ever been on any significant sized body of water and a storm comes up out of nowhere. I have. It's a terrifying experience, okay? Um, and Jesus is asleep in the boat and they wake him up. The disciples wake up Jesus and say, we're gonna drown, we're gonna drown. And Jesus says, why are you afraid? And he calms the storm. Another time, the disciples are in a boat. And this time it was at night. And they were, they were uh, rowing against the wind and the waves. And so they weren't making much progress. And then Jesus comes by walking on the water. Um, and they think he's a ghost. And so they're, they're afraid, they're terrified. And Jesus says to them, it is I, don't be afraid. And so Peter confirms that it's Jesus and Peter says, hey, tell me to come out on the water with you. And so Jesus says, come. And Peter starts walking on the water. And then he realizes, hey, I'm walking on the water and he begins to sink. And Jesus pulls him up out of the water and he says, why did you doubt it's as if Jesus was saying, I expect you to walk on the water. Another time, Jesus takes his disciples to this uh, Gentile region, and they encounter a naked man wandering among the tombs. Uh, chains couldn't hold this guy down. Uh, he would cut himself with stones. And as he approaches Jesus and the disciples, he's yelling, don't torture me, don't torture me. Now, just put yourself in that situation. 
How uncomfortable are you? This is like, get me out of here kind of moment. Um, he's demon-possessed. It's terrifying. And so Jesus casts the demons out of the man into this herd of pigs. And then all of a sudden, this herd of pigs runs into the water and the, herds of, and the herd of pigs all drown. And then people from the nearby city, they come and say, hey, Jesus, can you, and your, can you just leave? Okay, this is not good. And then Jesus tells the man, who is now in his right mind, he says, go share with others what the Lord has done for you. Time and again, Jesus and the disciples are in scary situations. And Jesus pulls them through every time because he's instilling courage in them. And Jesus eventually sent his disciples out to preach about the kingdom of heaven. And they come back and they tell Jesus, 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 even the demons, we're casting out demons. It's unbelievable. Jesus instills courage. And Jesus once told his disciples, you can read about this in Matthew 10, and he tells them the very situation we just read about. But he says, hey, I am sending you out like sheep among wolves. Therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. Be on your guard. You will be handed over to local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you'll be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them and to the Gentiles. But when they arrest you, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say, for it will not be you speaking, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. And Peter and John, there they are before the Sanhedrin saying, we're going to do what we're going to do. You decide if it's right to listen to God or to you. And where did they get that kind of hot spot? They got it from Jesus. And if we're going to follow Jesus, just be ready because he's going to put us in scary situations because he's building courage in us because he will be faithful and see us through. Jesus cultivates courage in his followers. And the ultimate act of courage is Jesus willingly going to the cross. Jesus knew that he was going to go to the cross. He talked about it many times with his disciples. But when the moment came, it was scary even for Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus was in a garden near a Gethsemane, praying um, before he was arrested, uh, sweating, the Bible says, sweating drops of blood. I don't even know what that, <laughs> what does it take to sweat drops of blood? I don't even know what kind of agony that is. And at one point in his prayer, Jesus says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. You realize what that means, right? Jesus didn't want to go to the cross. <laughs> Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet, not my will, but yours be done. The cross was terrifying. It was going to be painful. It was going to be difficult. It was intimidating. It was uncertain. And it was a moment when Jesus had to be willing to confront all of that. It was the ultimate act of courage. Courage is facing fear and pain, danger and uncertainty. It is a virtue 
that all of us need the Spirit to be developing in us because following Jesus isn't the easy thing to do. It's the right thing to do, but it's not the easy thing to do. Me culture says, take the easy path. Take the easy path. And Jesus says, take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. Follow me. Please pray with me. And Lord, that is our prayer, that you would give each of us um, the encouragement that we need uh, to face whatever fear or pain that we are facing in order to be faithful to the call that you have given us on our lives. Lord, we thank you for um, Jesus' courage in going to the cross and taking our place, paying the debt for our sin. And so, Lord, just again, we ask for you to encourage us. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.